Welcome to LaGrave Avenue CRC's Sermon Podcast. As we continue our Advent series, we turn from looking inward to looking out at the world. How does the story of Gethsemane teach us how to handle suffering in the world? You're listening to Making the Crooked Straight, A Savior Who Unbends Injustice by Rev. Ruth Boven. This morning, we continue our Advent series on making the crooked straight. Isaiah has been our guide through this Advent series and continues to be. This morning, we'll be reading from Isaiah 42, verses 1 through 9. Isaiah 42, verses 1 through 9. Hear the word of the Lord. Here is my servant whom I uphold my chosen one in whom I delight. I will put my spirit on him, and he will bring justice to the nations. He will not shout or cry out or raise his voice in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break, and a smoldering wick he will not snuff out. In faithfulness he will bring forth justice. He will not falter or be discouraged till he establishes justice on earth. In his teaching, the islands will put their hope. This is what God the Lord says, the creator of the heavens, who stretches them out, who spreads out the earth with all that springs from it, who gives breath to its people and life to those who walk on it. I, the Lord, have called you in righteousness. I will take hold of your hand. I will keep you and will make you to be a covenant for the people and a light for the Gentiles. To open eyes that are blind, to free captives captives from prison, and to release from the dungeon those who sit in darkness. I am the Lord, that is my name. I will not yield my glory to another or my praise to idols. See, the former things have taken place, and now new things I declare. Before they spring into being, I announce them to you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So since our text stands in the middle of the story of God's people, let's remember, like Isaiah does in our, pas- in our passage, the beginning of the story. Isaiah points us to the creator of the heavens, who stretches them out, who spreads out the earth with all that springs from it, who gives breath to its people, and life to those who walk on it. Let's remember that because God made us for life and for joy, when the people went into bondage in Egypt, God rescued them. And God made a covenant with them. And he brought them through the wilderness and into the promised land. And they became a nation. And they were called to bless and to be light to other nations and other people. But eventually the unthinkable happened. 
The Babylonians defeated Israel and dragged them off into exile, which meant complete and utter devastation of their political, their economic, their social, their religious life. Everything was different. Everything was turned upside down. Everything they once knew was shaken to the core. But into such a time as that, Isaiah speaks. And Isaiah's words resonate with us as well. For his message carries the hope of returning. Of returning to the comfort and the peace and the shalom of life that they once knew. The prophet's words are filled with promise and expectation and hope. But Isaiah's words hold something else, too. They also hold a critical ingredient to Israel's hoped-for shalom. Israel's recipe for returning to fruitful and joyful life with God requires something they had forgotten before. And that ingredient is justice. This Advent, we have been thinking about making the crooked straight, about smoothing out the rough and, and, and broken things in our path in order to make way for the coming Christ. We've looked inward at our own sins and our own fears. And we've affirmed that the coming Christ is the only one who can make straight what's crooked in us and who can shine the light of hope into our deepest, darkest places. Well, today we expand our focus a bit. We pull back the camera for a broader view. And when we do that, we can't help but notice the bentness and the brokenness of our world, too. In the same way that our individual hearts and minds need attention, need help, need transformation, need forgiveness, need saving, need straightening out, the world we live in does too. The things that we put in place as humans, the structures, the way the world works, needs attention, needs helping, needs saving as well. You know, God's salvation has always been about more than just individual hearts. It's about the whole world. It's about God's concern for all of Earth's people, including those who are bruised and beaten down and bent over by the weight of injustice. Old Testament scholar Walter Brueggemann says that injustice is the outcome of having skewed neighborly processes. So some are put at an unbearable disadvantage. Well, Isaiah declares that the sovereign God cares, in particular, 
for every person who, like a bruised reed, can no longer stand, but instead gets crushed down by the forces over which they have no control. Maybe you've heard about what's happened in a rural area in northeast Nigeria. There, for years, hard-working farmers had set sort of an informal agreement with Boko Haram, which is a militant group of Islamic extremists. And the agreement was that the farmers could tend their fields in peace as long as they did not report the fighters' presence to the Nigerian army. But recently, somehow, that deal was broken. The extremist group killed somewhere between 40 and 70 Nigerian farmers, accusing them of betraying them. Everything is shattered now, said one of the villagers, 36-year-old Ibrahim Abubakar. Four of his friends were murdered. You see, the people there are caught in a deadly catch-22. If they report the militants to the Nigerian authorities, they risk that gruesome reprisal by Boko Haram. And sadly, they can't rely on the protection of government security forces because they long ago fled to safer places. Into such a time as that, Isaiah's words about God's coming servant speak. A bruised reed he will not break and a smoldering wick he will not snuff out. In faithfulness, he will bring forth justice. He will not falter or be discouraged till he establishes justice on earth. Closer to home, Reverend Dr. Micah Edmondson tells the story of his own family's experience of the racism in this country. Micah is a graduate of Calvin Seminary's doctoral program. He's a pastor and the author of a book on Martin Luther King's methods of nonviolence and engagement with unearned suffering. Micah says that like many African-American families, his too has been deeply impacted by racialized sin by the cold wind of injustice, by powers and structures beyond what they themselves have the power to change. My grandparents, he says, were sharecroppers in rural Alabama, where they could never own land, just keep a small share of what they produced. One year they brought in the crop and the gentleman refused to pay them. He just stole their share. And so with no hope for justice, in desperation, his grandparents were forced to move and start over somewhere else. 
somewhere else far from the life they'd known in Alabama in order to simply keep their family alive. Edmondson believes that the answer to the longings for our shalom and justice are found only in God. He proposes that in the story of Jesus and his disciples in the Garden of Gethsemane, we see how humans often respond to injustice and the unearned suffering of others. When the temple guards come to arrest Jesus, Peter retaliates with violence and cuts off the high priest's servant's ear. Other disciples see the evil and get as far from it as they possibly can. But Jesus shows a third way. Jesus deliberately engages the evil and the suffering. He moves toward them. He leans in. Jesus does this not to minimize the misery of those who suffer. He does it to declare that sufferers are so much more than merely victims. Jesus engages the evil and the suffering to show us God's plan to overcome them both through God's powerful, transforming love. That's Isaiah's message. That the servant of God will come to overthrow evil and rescue the weary. Not by force, not by raising his voice as a warrior, but by himself bending under the weight of the cross and by dying, making a way straight for the weary to come home to God. You know, as a follower of Jesus, it's hard for me, and I, I imagine it's hard for all of us, to know how to begin to address structures and destructive forces in our world that cause vulnerable people to suffer. It, it seems so huge, so, so unmanageable, so out of our league. But Isaiah gives us a place to start. He gives us these words of Jesus. I, the Lord, have called you in righteousness. I will take hold of your hand. The God of the universe will reach out his hand to us. You see, in Jesus, in Emmanuel, with hair and eyes and skin and fingers, God comes to take hold of our hand. And when the God, who has an undying love for this world, gets near and takes hold of your hand, you are empowered to get near to others and do the same. One of the ways to address the forces of injustice in this world 
is to get close to a suffering person. Luce Meads, in his book, How Can It Be All Right When Everything Is All Wrong, says that what was wholly unique about Jesus' ministry on earth was how he suffered with others. He certainly suffered from others, from cruelty and mockery and abandonment. He suffered from hard nails going through soft skin. But what was special about Jesus' suffering was how he suffered with others. And here's the good news. Jesus still puts himself into the shoes of those bruised and bent sufferers. Smeeds says, if you want to know who the vicar or agent of Christ is, find yourself a hurting human being in your neighborhood. Jesus points to them and says, there I am. Recently, Reverend Yonker and I led a memorial service for Dick Guches, a treasured member of LaGrave. One of the unique things about Dick's life is that when he was a child, he lived under Nazi occupation in the Netherlands. Not only that, Dick's parents were part of the Dutch resistance. Their family housed vulnerable people bent under the weight of Hitler's murderous ways, including a young Jewish girl. Her falsified identity papers said her name was Lise de Graaf. She went to school with Dick's sisters, but she couldn't go everywhere with the family because of the risk. And eventually, she needed to leave and go further underground for protection. Dick's family endured watching friends and relatives hauled off to concentration camps. They lived with bombs falling on their village, scarce water and electricity, and, and very restrictive food rations. In the winter of 1944-45, people came from rural areas into their village to beg for food, many collapsing in the streets. And yet, families like Dick's kept reaching out. Many homes, in fact, displayed a plaque on which words from Isaiah 13 were inscribed. Hide the fugitives. Do not betray the refugees. Friends, with the help of the one who took them by their hands, the arc of the moral universe was moved a little bit more toward justice. It's said that the woman who hid Anne Frank for months in her attic did not want to be called a hero. I did what I had to do, she said, because it was the right thing to do. We are all ordinary people, but even an ordinary person can in their own small way 
turn on a small light in a dark room. That, I believe, is what God would have us do. Turn on a small light. Come near to someone bent low. Listen well. Suffer with. Take hold of God's outstretched hand and with the other reach out to a neighbor. And you just may hear the voice of the one who says, See, the former things have taken place, but now new things I declare. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Gracious God, tender shepherd, thank you that in your deep love for us, you come near and you make the straight path for all of us who are weary. And you help us come to you and come home. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to LaGrave Avenue CRC's Sermon Podcast.